Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Alive around the world on the... Whoa, that's weird. Alive around the world on the internet and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station. It is... The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live, um, again, on the internet, and this, and across the state on this, your favorite radio station, and or translator. Hello, my friends. Hello. Good morning, and welcome to the program. It is uh, Tuesday, and it is election day. Yep, you've been waiting for it. You've been waiting for it. It finally showed up. We are ready to go and ready to talk about it. Uh, and uh, boy, do we have a uh, well? We got quite a bit of stuff to go over today. So I thought we would. Uh, I thought we would just dive into it. What do you say? Shall we? Shall we get into it and uh, just uh, and just be part of it? Just get it all done. I think we shall. Uh, this morning we're going to talk a bit about. Um, well, some election stuff. We'll talk about a couple of the a couple. Of, there's a comment here that uh, <clears throat> I just I just have to get to from Gail Fanumiai, who is the director of the divisions of Ele- uh, division of elections. I have to get to it because it is just it's it's insane. It's so wrong. It's so I don't know self self something. Self something. Anyway, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, we're going to get into that, and we're also going to um, uh, we're also going to be talking uh, with our friend uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who's going to come on board and talk with us uh, this morning about well, a couple three things, including um, including. The uh, uh, the the Walker smokescreen, the it's for the children smokescreen. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some clarity and fiscal law. I'm going to get to that here in a second, give you a little bit of a preview of it. And we'll also have a little bit of insight from Conoco's second quarter's earning report. What does it mean for Alaska and uh, and more? Uh, what does it say about what we're doing here and uh, how Alaska is viewed on the uh, on the big on the big stage, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, so that'll be Brad Keithley with our weekly top three. Keithley, of course, from uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, an organization dedicated to just that sustainable budgets. Uh, then in hour two, we'll uh, have a chat with Chris Story, the man from Homer who will come on board and give us our weekly uplift, our life coaching lesson, our positivity boost. Our He is the PMA guru of the state of Alaska. And we will talk with him here in just 
a bit, well, more than just a bit. He'll be with us in about uh, just over an hour to talk with us about uh, all the new stuff here. So, um, good morning and welcome to it. As I said, Election Day. Polls are open at 7 a.m. Polls open at 7, close at 8, and uh, now is the time to jump out there. If you haven't already looked up your polling place, don't just assume that it's going to be where it normally is. Um, I looked it up yesterday just on a whim. And lo and behold, my polling location where I've been going to vote for, uh, I guess, eight years now is now um, at a different location. So you can go to myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. Myvoterinformation.alaska. It's one word, myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. And all you have to do is put in your first name, your last name, and your mailing city. And it will find you on the voter rolls. And it will tell you where your polling location is. And uh, it's pretty simple, pretty easy. Uh, I tried it out again this morning just because, just to make sure. And sure enough, my voting location, my poll location has changed. And so we're all going to be going somewhere different. And uh, so I would recommend that you check that out. Before you drive across town to your normal voting location, just in case. Just in case. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, well, what do we got? Uh, what do we got here as far as news? Well, um, there's a lot of uh, kind of voter roundups um, and things where people uh, are being told, you know, giving given the details on the uh on the election itself but this this uh, i will say that this this takes the cake this to me there's a quote in uh in alaska's news source at ktuu that just takes the cake so uh here's where the story hits right here alaska excuse me august 16th is a big day for alaska and the country for the first time alaskan voters We'll use ranked choice voting for the special general election to determine who will fill the House seat after the death of Republican Don Young. To win outright, a candidate needs at least 50% majority of the votes. If there is no majority, the candidate with the fewest votes is eliminated, and voters who selected the eliminated candidate as their first choice will have their second choice votes tabulated. Since this is the first year, this cycle uh, and style of voting will be in practice. Some voters, some voters, some voters have expressed confusion and said it may deter them from casting votes. Division of Elections Director Gail Fanumiai disagrees. She said, I feel the, the division has had a pretty strong voter education campaign telling people to expect this. Let me just reread that. Just let me read that out aloud for you. I feel the division has had a pretty strong voter education campaign telling people to expect this. Mm -hmm. Sample ballots uh, are available on our website. They can practice how to rank candidates. It's a matter of filling in ovals, one per candidate, as many candidates as you choose. That's just the, in case you were wondering, 
Gail Fanumiai thinks she's done a fantastic job of educating the people on how the voter, how the campaign, how... I I read this this morning, and I was just like, what? I mean, excuse me? What did you, did you just, yep, we've done a great job. We have done a, I feel the the division has had a pretty strong voter education campaign. I mean, I'm just asking the question of, wow, how did, I mean, that's like, I don't know. I, I just, I've been saying it for the last 10 months that what we've really needed is we've needed a voter education campaign that started way back out then and should have run into, you know, a couple, several million dollars. I mean, we spend stuff on this state all the time, spend money in this state on things we absolutely don't need, but a brand new voting system? that is going to fundamentally change how people cast a ballot. People have been casting their ballots their whole lives. And you've got a, you've got a system that is going to fundamentally toss that on, on its ear. Now you're going to have multiple candidates and, you know, do I vote just for one? What happens if I vote for, I mean, there's so much and, but don't worry. We had a pretty strong voter education campaign telling people to expect this. Well, I, I fully expect uh, I, f- I fully expect people are going to uh, be confused. I fully expect um, uh, I fully expect people will be confused for sure. Um, all right, uh, we're I just got a uh, um, I'm sorry, I just I just got an I just got an a, a email. Somebody tried the. Uh, myvoterinformation.alaska.gov, um, and it looks like special primary elect. No, that's for the primary. Somebody, because somebody just said, "Wait, I've got, I just got a information." Um, they snapshotted it for us. Says, "Does this mean someone requested an absentee ballot in my name? I never did, and because on their my voter information." It says absentee ballot request information, and it says by mail. But that was for the special primary election back in March, which everybody got one. I have the same thing on mine, even though I obviously didn't request one, but because they did the whole election by. So if you go to myvoterinformation.alaska.gov, um, you will see that at the bottom, um, that there is some information on your absentee ballot. That's not because somebody requested an absentee ballot. That's because everybody got an absentee ballot back in March. So if you should happen to see that and be like, whoa, 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 I didn't ask for an absentee ballot. You didn't have to. That's because that was from back in the day in March when they did the special primary. You'll see at the top it says election 2022 special primary. Everybody got um, uh, everybody got a, uh, a, a a a ballot on that one. So anyway, that's that's not a nothing to worry about. Move along, nothing to see here. Move along. 
The other story I wanted to get to, and this is just a tease for what we're going to be talking about with Brad Keithley, is that the Alaska Supreme Court has ruled against the legislature. And uh, on behalf of the governor, it has ruled against forward funding for education and confirms the limit on legislative power. The legislature may not set multi-year budgets for public education and other state agencies unless, here's the caveat, unless they are providing the funding up front. That's been a three-year dispute between the legislature and Governor Dunleavy. Uh, it also puts limits on legislative power and sought uh, and signaled some victory for the governor who had sought to cut funding for K-12 schools and opposed a legislative attempt in 2018 to set the state school budgets for two years. Um, that is a welcome piece of news because it proves exactly that one legislature cannot bind another legislature's budgeting power over unto itself, unless, of course, they provide all the funding at that exact moment, which I would think would still be problematic, especially if you've got changes coming to a legislature. Um, if you're in a middle or in the crux of an election year and they've got some money and they try and forward fund it to the following year, I would say that the next legislature should have something to say on how that money is being spent or whatever. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's a separate lawsuit that needs to come in. All right. We're going to jump into this here. Brad Keithley is going to be our guest. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets up next. It is the Michael Duke Show being brought to you today by your friends over there at Satellite West. For all your communications needs, no matter where you are, on the tundra, on the water, in the mountains, in the air, wherever. Satellite West has got you covered. You can find out more about that at them at SatelliteWest.com. The Michael Luke Show continues broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM Translator. We'll return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well, my, my friends, hello, my friends. Um, good morning. How are you this morning? Look at you. Um, I see Brad Keithley is waiting in the wings. He's hanging out there. I could see him uh, getting getting things all squared away. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, Dwayne says, good grief. I will be glad when I don't have to see any political commercials for a while, especially those with Lisa Murkowski and Bill the Steel Walker. The Steel. That's his that's his nickname. Bill the Steel Walker. Um a man is no less a slave because he's allowed to choose a new master once in a term of years. That's Lysander Spooner, one of my favorite thinkers from back in the day. Lysander Spooner's always got some good stuff. Um, so today's election day. Do we get the election results in December? <laughs> 
no, but we do have to wait. Uh, we do have to wait two weeks to, uh, to figure that out. Um, Jim says he's going to vote for Mary Peltola. I have questions, Jim, but I'm not even going to bother at this point. Uh, to be fair, I get their YouTube ad dozens of times a day, says Chris. That's why you need to have ad block on YouTube. I have ad block on YouTube, and I I never see ad, unless I'm watching on my phone or on my TV, which I hardly ever am. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, uh, told me, Dwayne says he went to my Alaska, says I couldn't find his information. Mm, that's interesting. Um. Uh, thank you for the answer. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's fine, Bill. I just want, I, I was curious what's going on. Um, printed out a sample ballot last night after four phone calls. I figured it out, said Laura. <laughs> oh man. Has anyone seen the ad on channel two? Two says vote one on the local turf below. Then below says ranked choice voting in general. Well, it's because they're doing the special general has got ranked choice voting. And then on the other side of the ballot is all the one vote, one and done. Yeah. Glad you reminded us this election day, says Sean. Good luck today, Sean. Good luck on the primary. Uh, you got my vote for the primary. And then you'll get a write-in vote for the uh, general. Just because that's how I am. Um, all right. <clears throat> Let's see. Looks like Brad Keithley is, uh, almost ready. Are you almost ready, Brad? I am Michael. I am. You've, uh, I've got this all set up now. You've got, it. I have a note here that says, says happy birthday, Michael. Oh, well, I wonder why you have that. That's weird. That's weird. Where did that show up? Is, from? To, is today not your birthday? Today's my birthday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be, he's trying to be humble. Didn't work. That does. So election day and your birthday. It's like I a know, national it's, holiday. It's like or a something. double whammy, man. I mean, that was like the worst birthday present ever. Here's your ranked choice voting, voting birthday. <sighs> All right. Um, so you ready to dive into this and, uh, and jump in? We'll get, I am. okay, good. Well, we'll, we'll get, I'm going to, I'm going to put you back. Uh, I'm going to hide you back in the green room. You just shh, don't say anything. Eat the uh, eat the donuts and be back to it. All right, we're going to be back with more here in just a second. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's do that. Hey, do me a favor. If you guys are out on YouTube today, I am still still trying to reach a thousand subscribers on YouTube. And with 3,500 subscribers or followers, not the same, they're basically the same thing. With 3,500 followers on Facebook, you would think that somehow I could get a third of them to just say that they like me on YouTube. Now you say, why? Well, because I'm trying to get, there's like super chats and other subscriber things. and some, There's some other bells and whistles I can get on YouTube, but I got to have a thousand subscribers to make it happen. So frustrating to just not be. So I see that there's 50 of you on Facebook right now. I guarantee you there's at least a dozen on YouTube right now. If you get a chance this morning, go over to YouTube. You can leave Facebook or stay on Facebook, but go over and subscribe and like it, will you? Here we go.
All right. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Uh, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It's uh, it's time to get into it. It's time to jump in and talk with it, do the weekly top three thing. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, dedicated, well, to creating sustainable budgets in Alaska. That's what they're all about. Uh, let's get the start on here. Good morning, Brad. How are you, my friend? Uh, what's happening in your neck of the world? Michael, I'm great today. Thanks for asking. And by the way, happy birthday, Michael. Well, thank you. That was awful nice of you to uh, wish me a happy birthday on this election day. I don't know why it had to happen on the same day. That just seems like that seems like cruel and unusual punishment. Um, but uh, we are we are ready to go. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate that. Um, weekly top three today. Now, I would have assumed uh, before you sent me all your what you wanted to talk about, I would have assumed today that it would all be about elections uh, for today. But no, we've skipped right over to let's talk about what's coming up in November. Brad's already like cast forecasting forward. Um, Bill Walker. It's for the children. Uh, that seems to be his new mantra. And, uh, well, Brad, tell me all about his it's for the children uh, uh, shield that he's throwing out there in front of people to talk about right now. Well, just to explain why we're not talking about the election, we've talked about it like on the last three shows. And I yeah, thought, yeah, exactly. and, as, as Mike Shower puts it sometimes when he and I have a discussion, ad nauseum. So I oh, thought maybe. Ad nauseum, yeah. Hey, you know what? You just got to repeat and repeat and repeat until people get the message. That's what that's what you got to do. So, But let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, because we really are coming down to it. Here we've got, you know, Bill Walker, Les Guerra, uh, Mike Dunleavy, and then the fourth, who we're hoping is going to be Charlie Pierce. But, you know, we've got Guerra and Walker. These are the two choices that I definitely personally do not want to see in the state. Bill Walker primarily because we've already seen what he's going to do. We've already we already had a preview of upcoming, you know, of, of upcoming attractions, and it's not attractive. No, well, Walker's got this this new ad campaign out that uh, that's that's interesting. It's uh, I've I've seen it on Twitter and I've seen it on Facebook. I'm sure it's showing up other places as well. But it has uh, Jennifer Johnston uh, uh, talking over some pictures of the governor's mansion and some Walker Dragas uh, campaign uh, posters um, and explaining why she's supporting. Now, this is the defeated Jennifer Johnston, right? Former vice chair of the House Finance Committee and defeated for a reason. Right. um, uh, Talking about why she's supporting Bill Walker. And basically, the theme is one we often hear in Alaska. It's for the children. In her case, it's for her children and grandchildren. And the pitch basically is we need to save the PA, we need to save the permanent fund today to build it up to, as Walker puts it in his uh, campaign literature, in his, in his positions uh, uh, statement on, uh, on his website, we need to build it up to uh, 100, 100 to 120 billion dollars, and then it will produce revenue forever that can fund government forever, and we never have to worry about uh, other sources of revenue in the state. The, the, the problem, and, and, and so it's for the children, it's for my children, it's for my grandchildren. That's why we need to sacrifice today by, you know, putting as much of the permanent fund earnings back into the permanent fund as we possibly can and, and limiting PFDs. The problem with that, it's great if you're a top 20% child. It's great if you're the top 20% now, because that means that, that we use the permanent fund earnings stream to, to fund government currently. 
the remainder of the earnings go off uh, back into the permanent fund to build it up toward this Nirvana number. Uh, permanent fund dividends are cut to do that. And who takes the brunt of the cut? Middle and lower income Alaska families. What children take the brunt of the cut? Middle and lower income Alaska family children. Um, so there's this promise of a Nirvana out there someplace that we get to if we, you know, if we make this sacrifice now and we build up the permanent fund uh, to a point where it can fund government um, at some point, at some point out in the future. But what happens when we get to that point? The same thing. We have to we have to continue to cut permanent fund dividends because at that point we're diverting almost all of the permanent fund earnings to support government. Uh, to, to achieve this nirvana of not having to need uh, other revenues. What children get affected? Uh, what families get affected at that point? Those uh, in middle and lower income Alaska families, the top 20% continue to, uh, to, to skate by. What children get affected at that point? Middle and lower, the children of, of middle and lower income Alaska families. So basically this pitch of it's for the children is, is a smokescreen. It is it is for the top 20% now, and it's for the top 20% in the future. It's for the top 20% children now, and it's for the top 20% children in the future. Um, and, and, you know, in Alaska, we have these pitches all the time, and we're very susceptible to them because, you know, as Alaskans, we do worry about future generations. The native culture teaches you to worry about, you know, generations 20 years, 20 generations down the road. Uh, we do worry about the children. But but you can't. But 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 they're 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 using that theme. It's for the children as a smokescreen to cover for just you know making the top twenty percent's life easier now by diverting PFDs to to fund government or deferring deferring PFDs to build up the the permanent fund corpus, and it's for the top twenty percent children and top twenty percent families in the future because you have to continue to cut the PFD. You have to continue to keep the PF, uh, PFD down uh, in the future. Another ad he's running is from Ivy Sponholtz. And that's sort of between Johnston and Sponholtz, you're sort of giving the game away, right? Right. Because when, Johnst when Johnston was co-chair of, of House Finance, she was an advocate of a 2575 PFD, a deep cut in the PFD down to just 25% of earnings. Sponholtz, this last legislature, sponsored legislation, pushed legislation out of House Ways and Means, which she chaired, to uh, to do the same thing, to cut the PFD down to 25% of a permanent, fund earn, permanent fund earnings, and still to do that by statute, not even to put that in the Constitution, still to do that by statute so they could, can, so they... Uh-oh. <clears throat> so they're really, I, I mean, between those two ads, they're really... Game is cut the PFD, save the top 25% from having to contribute uh, uh, materially toward the cost of government, both now and in the future, cut it down to 25.75. And the top 20% and their children are fine. It's middle and lower income Alaska families that, uh, that take the brunt of it both now and in the future. Oh, but don't worry, Brad. Those, those lower 75%, they get all those government services. Uh, you know, they get all those government services that we provide. I mean, forget about the fact that that argument is so flawed, because even if you uh, would say that the bottom 25 percent would get a significant, it leaves the vast unwashed middle who are not uh, receiving any of those special services out in the cold. And they're the ones that are bearing the full brunt of the of uh, of paying without getting anything. 
Exactly. And Michael, that argument also has another big flaw. I mean, when when you talk about when you talk about the, these the, the programs for lower income families in other states and nationally, the burden of those programs, the cost of those programs, is spread throughout you know whatever the whatever the tax base is, what it, federally whatever the the progressive income tax gives you, in states whatever sales tax plus some states have income taxes whatever that base uh, gives you much a much broader base. When you talk about doing it through PFD cuts, what you're talking about is making is making lower income families pay for their own programs, right? We're right, not spreading right. the cost th- throughout the entire the entire base. We're focusing the cost on the lower income families. So basically, it's it's it, it's a program to keep the the lower income families poor. It's not to give them a leg up as it is in other states or nationally. It's 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 basically you have to pay for your own programs, and we decide what programs you're going to have to pay for. It's a it's it's an entirely it's an entirely wrong argument to say, yeah, we should we should cut the PFD because you know those lower income families are are, are getting benefits. That's not the way lower income programs are intended to operate. They're intended to be funded by by a broad base to help give lower income families a leg up. Here, the way we're doing it. We're, we're making sure that poor income, that, that poor families stay poor. Right. Uh, you know, Brad, this is a rehash, too, by the way, of uh, Walker's previous, uh, uh, you know, plan or or outline that he had while he was governor, where he talked about converting the permanent fund into the sovereign wealth fund. I mean, that's what this was all about. This was never about getting Alaskans the money that was actually theirs, money that was belonged to them and getting them their share of the resource wealth. This was always about and always has been about funding the government. Donna says in the chat room right now, it's actually for the unions, not for the children. It's about funding government and the employees and the base of that at the expense of the private sector. Yeah, you, you see that you see that in the legislature with Zach Fields. Zach Fields is a perfect example of that. Zach Fields is one of the biggest champions of PFD cuts, not not because you know he thinks the top twenty five percent deserve any uh, deserve any special treatment, but because he's concerned if you if you maintain the PFD and have to fund government through through broad based taxes that the top twenty percent will push back on spending, and so what they what what his view of the world is let's continue to fund it through PFD cuts uh, let's not engage the top twenty five percent let's not make them contribute to it. Because, oh my gosh, they'd actually see the cost of these things and they'd say, oh no, we don't want to fund that anymore. As long as you can make it free to the top 25% or minimal cost by, by using PF cut, PFD cuts, trivial cost by using PFD cuts, they won't engage, they won't push back. We've seen that in the legislature because Von Imhoff will never push back on spending. Right. Von Imhoff, Von Imhoff will only say, we need, to, we need to cut the PFD to pay for it. Um, because that way you shove the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families. Donna's exactly right. It, 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 is, it is a way, at least among the Democrats, the, the cut the PFD mantra is, is a way to maintain government spending on programs that we want, even though we're forcing lower and middle income Alaska families to pay for it, pay for the programs that are supposed, supposedly helping to give them a leg up. They continue to do that because they want to maintain the funds flowing to government spending without top twenty percent becoming the top twenty percent becoming engaged in uh, in critically thinking about what uh, what the heck we're doing in this state. 
Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, we're talking about the weekly top three, just finishing up with Bill Walker's It's for the Children mantra. Uh, and that uh, that leads us uh, that leads us on to our second one, which is the new clarity that we just got from the courts. Give us a quick tease, Brad, and we'll come back to it here after the break. Well, the Dunleavy administration is often mocked for filing lawsuits and not winning. This one, they won. Uh, and it's provided some clarity, I think, that we that's that's useful uh, around fiscal policy and what legislatures can and cannot do. Up until now, we've been experiencing sort of legislatures run amok, cutting the PFD without government without gubernatorial oversight, uh, stuffing money away in various pots without uh, without much gubernatorial oversight, uh, and this puts some uh, constraints on what the legislature can do. So I think it's worth uh, talking about as we talk about fiscal policy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is a big victory, and uh, I can't wait to get into the weeds on it and talk a little bit more about it. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue with Brad Keithley. Make sure you come check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you'd like to be part of the program in between the breaks, come on back and let's uh, do it together. You can also find us on fa- and, uh, YouTube, rather, youtube.com slash the Michael Duke Show. We'll be back with more Common Sense Radio right after this. Is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Like Michael Duke Show. Radio. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm I, just. I got to tell you, Michael, I like the new technology. Do you? Is it? It's looking pretty cool. Works a little bit better. I can cut down on one computer. Used to, I, I needed to have three screens in front of me to, yeah. to keep track of what was going on, but now yeah. I can cut down to just two. I can't wait for you guys. I'm going to snap a picture this next weekend of, uh, there's going to be five screens in my studio by the time this whole thing is said and done. Five separate screens and two computers. Um, I got, uh, I'm upgrading some stuff to try and make it a little easier and, uh, yeah, it's it's going to look like mission control in here, but it'll make life a lot easier. So I feel your pain, Brad. I feel your pain. When I'm trying to do this and I'm doing it remotely, when I have to go to Fairbanks or whatever, I end up doing the whole show on a single laptop and it is a hot mess uh, because <laughs> you're switching screens like every five seconds. You're switching, you're switching programs to see what's going on. Uh, I think Donna's comment is pretty much nails it right down to I'm going to come back to it again. It's actually for the unions, not the children. And uh, I think uh, I think Donna's 100% right. This exactly shows us why they care more about the government spend than about the private sector spend. It's not for the children. It's for government programs and protecting the unions and everything else. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Zach, as I say, Zach Fields just personifies that. I mean, Zach, Fields, the, the, the representative of one of the poorest areas of Anchorage, uh, uh, favoring, supporting, pushing, indeed, PFD cuts uh, in order to create revenue. Uh, it just just explains everything. Right. Because Zach, Zach Fields does not want the top 20, top 20 percent engaged in oversight of government spending. He just wants it to you know, come off the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families 
fund government programs, government programs that even benefit the top 20% wants it to come off the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. So the top 20% will never, ever, ever get involved in oversight of, uh, of what's being spent. And, and, and with that, I mean, because that's the donor class with that, just government just runs amok as we've seen. Right. Exactly. Um, well, that's just a mean comment. Kenneth says, am I banned from having candles on my cake because of the fire risk? I, well, we couldn't find enough candles. That was the first problem is that you could, there was not enough candles in the store to cover the cake. So that's, that's just the first, that was just mean. Um, Brandy says, I live in Kenai and my district placed to, to vote doesn't seem to be on the list. I haven't a clue what to do next to vote today. Well, I guess first and foremost, I'd go over to my normal polling place and find out if they're there. And if not, ask where they are. Somebody else said they also, um, somebody else said that they, that their polling location was not on the, um, uh, was not on the, uh, the list of my voter information.alaska.gov. Uh, you know, like I said, don't worry. Gail Fanumiai says they've done a great job of putting us all together. So I'm sure that that makes it true. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like I said, I would show up at my previous polling place first and be like, uh, <clears throat> where, where do I go from here? If they don't have the answer, somebody's got the answer. But this is where you go right here. I just dropped the link in the chat room if you want to click it and you can head out there. It's, again, my voter information.alaska.gov, and I appreciate that. Um, I'm, you're going to need an air conditioning system for the studio. No, trust me, in the middle of winter, I need a heater in here. It's, uh, it, it's, it'll be fine. It'll only be bad in the middle of the summer for a week or two. Um, let's see here. Um, going back here. 24.5% of Alaskans are under 18. Can you get much lower income than that? I mean, I think that was Brad's point, uh, Paul, is that the under 18 crowd are the ones that are definitely, I mean, they're paying for it, not just at the state level, but at the federal level and everything else. It's the future generations, the younger and the future generations, Brad, who are going to pay for all this fantastic government that we have right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the middle and lower income Alaska, children of middle and lower income Alaska families now, children of lower middle and lower income Alaska families in the future. It's, I mean, I, you, you gotta, I guess, admire Walker for trying to, you know, trying to blow his way through this by, you know, using the it's for the children uh, mantra, but it's just, it's, it's dishonest. I mean, it's not for the children. It's for certain children, certain privileged children, Children of the of of the top twenty five percent top twenty percent income bracket, right? Uh, and uh, and it's just uh, it's a uh, it, it it is a misleading and in duplicitous and and dishonest uh, yeah. uh, theme that he's trying to push. Absolutely, Chris says I was mailed a new voter card. Tells me where to go. This audience should be a little more competent. Except for Chris, I haven't received new voter cards. I know that they went out with the redistricting and everything else, but I didn't, my family, we've not received our new voter cards yet. So again, I guess my question is how good a job is, is uh, a and company doing you, you be the judge. I'm not, I'm saying that they probably could have done better. Let me just put it that way. All right. Coming back to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, follow, subscribe on YouTube.
All right, welcome back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're continuing now. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. We're on to number two, which has to do with this uh, recent case that just came out the uh, day before yesterday, uh, talking about how the legislature can no longer um, forward fund different things. They've been doing this for a while as an end run around both the governor and future legislatures. And finally, the courts uh, kind of smacked them down and said, no, Brad, let's uh, let's talk about this. Well, this case arises out of an action the legislature took in 2018 before the election of Governor Dunleavy. Um, what that legislature did was not only fund then your uh, current K-12 through education, but they also appropriated money for uh, the following year, uh, uh, K through 12, uh, and set and set the uh, set it at a certain amount. When Governor Dunleavy came in, his proposal was to reduce the funding to K through 12 uh, in in the first in his first budget in the in the 2019 or in the 2020. That would be the 2020 budget, 20 elected 2019. But yeah, 2020 budget. He, his proposal came in to his proposal was to reduce spending um, in that budget. And uh, the legislature said, you can't do that because we've already appropriated it. Uh, you can't backward veto, essentially, something that we've already appropriated. And, and while the new legislature could reduce it by reappropriating funds, uh, because it was still controlled by uh, the coalition, uh, they, weren't, they weren't about to agree to reduce the appropriation they had, they had made. So, Governor Dunley, so this matter went to court. Uh, Governor Dunleavy at first said, uh, Kevin, or Clark, Kevin Clarkson, who was then the Attorney General, first said, uh, there's no appropriation because, the, because you can't do the carryover appropriations the legislature tried, and, and you haven't done a new appropriation. There's no appropriation. There's no funding for, for schools. That caused, obviously, a lot of consternation. And so the, the settlement that they reached at that point was the governor would agree to uh, spend, would agree to the appropriation that the legislature had made in 2018. Um, uh, but he, but the case would continue. This is that ultimate case now being decided by the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said the 28 le 2018 legislature couldn't do what it tried to do because it didn't have the funds. It didn't have the funds in hand. There wasn't enough of a surplus that year, if you will, against other funding. There wasn't enough of a surplus to be able to actually set aside actual funds uh, that, that the state was going to receive during the appropriation year uh, to, to forward fund uh, uh, the following year. Um, and so the legislature's action was inappropriate. Now, because there had been a settlement uh, between the Dunleavy administration and the legislature when the suit was going on, there's no immediate consequence of that going backward. There's no defunding of, of K through 12 going backwards. But going forward, it does tell the legislature, future legislatures, that you can't uh, you can't uh, essentially uh, take a shot in the dark and appropriate what, appropriate what you think are going to be funds available in future years. You can use the funds you have in the year in which you're doing the appropriation, but you can't you can't uh, make up dummy appropriations essentially of what of what you think is going to be received uh, in future years. So this past year, this 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 is an example of of the other side of this. This past year. Because of the surge in oil prices, the, the legislature had more revenues than it made current appropriations for. 
And one, and so one of the appropriations it made was to forward fund K through 12 funding next year. Right. The, the, the court's ruling essentially says you can do that because you've got the funds in hand this year. You can spend those funds because they're coming in in the current appropriation year. You can spend those funds any way you want to. You can make capital appropriations. You can put them into savings. You can forward fund. You can use them for supplemental funding as the, as the, as the legislature, in fact, did uh, uh, for, the, for the prior fiscal year. Um, and, and so that's okay because you have the funds in hand that year. Now, that doesn't mean that that necessarily ties future legislatures. In, in any given appropriations year, the legislature can make reappropriations of funds that have been previously authorized for other things. Right. So if a new and legislature so, comes in this year uh, and you know we change a bunch of the players out, they can actually go back to that $1 billion forward funding and said, well, that was a nice idea, but we need the money to be doing other things. And so they can reappropriate it at that point. Well, I mean, and, and I'll be honest with you, some of the most interesting things that were out in, in this decision, it came from the Supreme Court. Remember, this has already gone to Superior Court and the Superior Court back the legislature, but the Supreme Court said in a plain reading of this, it's very clear what the framers intent was, is that it would be an annual budget process. They would not be binding over other legislators and and making this. It was really a plain reading of the Constitution, which I found pleasantly surprising. Well, it's the same plain reading, frankly, that they used in the permanent fund dividend decision. They said there that 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 one legislature can't bind another that you can't essentially have done advance appropriations dedicated funds by statute you can do it by constitution but you can't do it by statute so essentially it's the same theme that we see showing up now in this decision one legislature can't bind future legislatures uh by making uh dummy appropriations that uh uh set aside funds that this legislature doesn't doesn't yet have i mean Essentially, this 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 finding could have said you could have you could have made you could have forward funded the permanent fund dividend from the surf, surpluses you had this year. Right. It would not be inconsistent with the court's 27 2017 decision on the permanent fund dividend by saying this legislature this 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 decision says this legislature could have uh, advance funded pre funded forward funded the permanent fund dividend next year uh, by using some of the surplus funds uh, it had. It had this year, so it is. It is a theme that we that 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 is consistent with what the with what the court found in 2017, but now it's sort of coming back to haunt, if you will, the other side, the the K through 12, the education side, and right. other uh, other sides that uh, that depend on government funding. It's like, oh no, I mean, what the 2018 legislature was was trying to do was hedge their bets, right? If uh, if Walker lost, they still wanted to have K through 20 K through 12 funding uh, uh, locked in. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I mean, I think this is good because, again, it it shows and separates out the both the administrative and the legislative power. It shows what they can do. We'll have to uh, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out on what the what goes on with that. But that leads us down to the last four minutes here or so, which leads us to number three, which is a dissection of the second quarter earnings report. From ConocoPhillips. Now, we hear a lot about this. The oil companies are making tons of money they're doing in Alaska and everything else, and we should be getting our fair share. What does it tell you, Brad, as a former oil and gas consultant and attorney, what does it tell you as you look at the Q2 Conoco report 
uh, of the state of oil and gas in Alaska? What does it mean for us? Well, there's two things I think that that come out of the of the second quarter earnings report. One is Conoco reaffirmed that they're committed to the Willow project if, and the if with a big if, and the big if is if the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, the federal government, uh, approves um, the scoped down, uh, uh, they agree to, and, and, it will, and if the federal government approves the scoped down uh, alternative that the federal government included in their supplemental uh, environmental impact statement. But the big if is if the federal government approves that, frankly, with no further conditions. What, what, what Conoco used, the term Conoco used was a strong record of decision. If the government comes out with a strong record of decision that supports the alternative, then great, it looks like we're going forward. But what they're, what they're really raising in subtext is if you put a bunch of conditions on that alternative, that alternative scoped down from what we wanted, we can live with it. But if you put a bunch of conditions on that alternative, we're not sure we're we're not sure we're going forward, and so we're going to wait to make the commitment, the financial commitment, of going forward until we see uh, until we see that record of decision. So we're we're still sitting out there. That's one thing from the two Q report. The second thing, Conoco spent a long time talking about their positioning in the LNG market, the liquefied natural gas market, and how they're making investments both in the U.S. in Mexico in an export terminal being built in Mexico. And in an export terminal being built in Qatar in the Middle East, uh, they, they spent a long time talking about um, their, their, their belief in and their commitment to LNG projects. Well, huh, they've got a lot of gas sitting up here on the North Slope. And, and, the, and, and the two companies that, have, that, have been, that were historically committed to the LNG project were Exxon and BP. Conoco was always sort of hesitant about its role in the LNG project. And they didn't even bother mentioning the Alaska position uh, when they were talking about LNG. I think what that tells us is, is, is additional confirmation that the Alaska LNG project is very marginal. Um, uh, the economics of it don't work very well. Um, and that it, at least even in today's world where LNG is having a big boost and the LNG uh, market is becoming robust, that the Alaska project doesn't have, doesn't have a place in it. The, the absence of, of talking about Alaska in, in this extended discussion they had on LNG generally tells us a lot about what they think about uh, the, uh, an Alaska LNG project. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, down to the uh, last 90 seconds here or so, Brad. So we'll keep watching uh, for these uh, reports from Conoco and others to see where we sit in Alaska gas. But today's Election Day. So your final thoughts as we wrap things up for the show today. Uh, Charlie Pierce, uh, we've talked on the previous show how important fourth place is uh, uh, in the governor's race, how critical fourth place could be in the governor's race. Uh, and we've talked about the concern I have about, you know, whether the Kirka voters would would just be bullet voters and not mark a second preference on their on their ballots. Pierce voters, I think, are much more inclined to vote for a second preference for uh, for Dunleavy, if that's sort of where we end up. Um, and uh, and I think it's critical that Charlie Pierce be elected uh, uh, be have that fourth spot uh, in the in the runoff for uh, for the governor's race. So 
it, I'm going to vote Pierce, and I encourage anybody else who's still undecided out there to vote Pierce. Yeah, no, I mean, I think at this point, I think Charlie's still the best candidate, uh, regardless of even. But if we're thinking about, uh, if we're thinking about, uh, you know, kind of strategically, what needs to come out of the ranked choice thing, in the bottom line, I would rather have even a Dunleavy over Guerra or Walker at this point. So, uh, Pierce for the primary, and then Pierce and Dunleavy when you're ranking the red in the fall. Um, and of course, everything else that's going on today, it's going to be an exciting day. Brad Keithley, thank you for coming in, my friend. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Uh, folks, we got more coming up. Our two dead ahead, Chris Story will be joining us. We may take some phone calls as well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, Brad, uh, that brings us, uh, back to the top of the hour. So, uh, give you a chance to, uh, um, I don't know if, if there's anything we missed, anything else you'd like to summate or talk about. We're here to, uh, we're here to, to we're, we live for that. We live for that right now. <laughs> talk, talk, talk uh, to me. Other, other than singing happy birthday to you. Oh, please don't do that. That's, it's, it's just painful <laughs> at this point. I do. It just hurts. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, uh, um, I'm just a little at a loss today. I'd like to get your comments on the whole Gail Fanumiai thing where she said, we did a great job. I mean, let's pat ourselves on the back for what a great job we did at educating Alaskans uh, for what's going on. Well, I I read as much as I possibly could read out there, um, not only from the state, but also from uh, uh, various other sources that were analyzing how how the ranked choice election was going to run and, you know, vote give preferences on one side of the ballot and single. And then I finally got the ballot in front of me, right? Uh, I'm voting absentee. So uh, uh, I, I finally got the, the ballot in front of me. And I sat there and I just scratched my head. And, All right, I'm supposed to do this over here and this over here. And I want to make sure Charlie Pierce finishes fourth, but to make sure he finishes fourth, I got to vote for him in the, as a, as a single point. And it was, um, <laughs> it, it was an experience. I don't know if you've, if you've early voted there, but uh, it was an experience to actually go through the process. I, I, I wonder, you know, for those people who are going to line up like they usually do on election day and go through the go through the process, I wonder if this if it's going to take longer uh, with people oh, going yeah. into the booth. I would sort, imagine. Sort of- yeah, I imagine so. I mean, I, and I've talked to several people who are election volunteers, and they were really not looking forward to this because they're saying that they knew that there was going to be a lot of confusion going on and people who were going to be agitated and angry and probably a lot of ballots that were going to be destroyed and have to be redone because people didn't understand it. And it's just, it's going to be a poo parade. I think is well, the and, and the other thing that, that's come out from Fanumiai that, that, I mean, I understand why, but it's still a little aggravating. We're not going to know the, the, the winner, unless somebody gets 50% today. Unless somebody has fifty percent at right. the end of voting right. today in the in the congressional race in the in the special election race, unless somebody have 50, has fifty percent uh, at the end of the day today, we're not going to know who wins that race for another two weeks, right? Because because they're not going to they're not going to count the second preference ballots. Uh, if if nobody gets fifty percent, you go to the second preference ballots of the of the person finishing last. They're not going to count the second preference ballot ballots until the end of the time, until the end of the month, when all of the ballots uh, are supposed to be in, when all the ballots that are in will be the ones that are counted. Anything received after that date will be discarded. Um, and so we're not, they're not gonna count those. They're not, they're not gonna count the second preference until, until we get to that point. So we won't know 
what, what we'll probably know at the end of the day, if you believe the pollsters, is Mary Peltola is ahead. Uh, either Palin or Begich is in second, and the other one's in third. We will think we know that whoever is in second, whichever of the two Republicans is in second, will probably win because the second preference ballots of the of the third person will likely go mostly to the other Republican and will likely push the other Republican above. We will think that, but we won't know that, and we right. won't have a representative uh, for another for another two weeks. We won't have the results. So think what that means. Think what that means in the governor's race when we get there in. Uh, um, in uh, in November, that's it, what we, I was, it means we won't know who the governor is until late November. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Extrapolate that out till November. That means that we won't even know till what the twenty first, twenty fourth of November who the governor is actually going to be, and then they have to produce a budget 12, 15 days later. Um, I mean, it, wow. That's all I could say is wow. It's going to be a real. Crazy time. Let's put it that way. As we come, as we come close to this, and it, and it is, and 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 especially if Kirk is in fourth. I mean, that I, I get back to. I go back to a theme here. Especially if Kirk is in fourth, there's going to be a lot of. Let's let's say Dunleavy has forty seven percent, forty five percent, and and Guerra and Walker have split the have split their vote evenly, and so you got you got Kirk or you got uh, uh, Pierce in fourth. There's going to be a lot of speculation about if Kirka especially uh, is is finished in fourth about whether his voters were bullet voters, whether they whether they marked a second preference or not. Because if they didn't, and they and that Dunleavy doesn't get over the top um, uh, as a result of the failure of the second preference, then you're gonna you're gonna let either Walker or Guerra, who's ever finished third, uh, decide the race, and that and we're not likely going to like that race. So we're we're just gonna. <laughs> November is going to be a very interesting month as we sort of, you know, wait around right. or uh, twiddle our thumbs waiting for the results. I'm going to be waiting for the reaction. Over the next two weeks, you're going to see the reaction from the primary, uh, from what people had to do with the two types of voting and everything else. And I think that that will be very telling on what the post-November 8th uh, feel is going to be. And I will be surprised, like I said earlier, if for some reason we don't end up with a uh, – with a with a move to repeal ballot measure number two uh, when it's all said and done, that's just my take on it. Well, it, there's going to be there's going to be those who uh, who will have a basis for thinking that because it's it's not going to be like elections that we're normally used to, where we wait around on election. I mean, Landfield's going to have an election night special, right? He's going to have guests in. They're going to talk about the election. What's to talk about? <laughs> I mean, the real election night special is going to be two weeks later when the second preference ballots come in. Right. We don't so know just, a thing. Right. Exactly. It's just going to be all sorts of speculation on the on the special night. Nice to watch. Fun to watch. But but there's, it's just going to be all sorts of speculation. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, Brad, as always, we appreciate you coming on board, sharing your thoughts with us. Um, and, uh, we look forward to talking next week. We'll have a little bit more information on the election. We won't have the answers, but we'll have some of them anyway. And, uh, and I hope we can, uh, we'll have some good discussions then. Thank you so much for coming on board. Michael, always good to have, uh, always good to be on. And once one last time, happy birthday. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. I've, we're all getting older. Unfortunately, that seems to be the theme around here. Brad Keithley. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, Alaskans for sustainable budgets, uh, Brad Keithley, our guest here on the Michael Duke show. All right. Uh, we are coming up to it. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show.
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio show. And again, broadcasting live across the state on radio stations, FM translators, go-karts, transistor radios, carrier pigeons. We're doing it. We're trying to bring the information to all of you all of the time. Election Day. Today is Election Day. And uh, I got to tell you, it's going to be a very interesting, uh, it's going to be a very interesting day today and tomorrow, especially in the post-election. We're going to see, we're going to see exactly what people think uh, about this whole ranked choice voting thing. Because I see some confusion. Even here in the chat room today, I see some confusion. Uh, Let me just highlight a post that just popped up from YouTube where Jonathan says, today I am voting number one, Kirk, and number two, Dunleavy, number three, Charlie, number four, Walden. You can't do that. You can't do that, uh, Jonathan. That's not how it works. Today is not ranked choice voting for governor. Today is the primary for governor, which means you're voting for one. You're voting to choose essentially for one candidate. And quite honestly, you're choosing who's going to be the fourth candidate, if you're voting outside of the top three, which would be Dunleavy, Guerra, or Walker, you're choosing who's going to be fourth uh, because there is no ranked choice voting today on the governor's race. The only ranked choice today, and there will be two sides of the ballot, my friends, one side will be ranked choice voting for the special general election race for Congress. So that's going to be that's going to be today. On the other side will be the jungle primary for governor for Congress again because remember on the other side is the special general for the short term seat for the 3 month seat and but you're going to have to vote again in November for who's going to fill that seat out for the long term. So you're going to have governor Congress, U.S. Senate, and then your state house and your state Senate seats. Those will all be jungle primary vote one, and that's it. You get one vote on those items. Um, and so, I mean, that's my that's that's what's going on. This is why I'm encouraging people today to vote for Charlie Pierce in the jungle primary for governor, because again. What I'm seeing is more and more people who have been in the Kirka camp saying, I'm only going to vote for one candidate. 
on the jungle on the uh, on the rank choice voting. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give my vote to to Dunleavy again because he's b- betrayed me or he's which again I'm not saying those aren't valid points. I'm not saying that he hasn't failed us as a governor. But my question becomes: Would you rather have? Would you rather have a Bill Walker or a Les Guerra as governor? Because who is in that fourth slot is very important. Because if you're willing to rank the red, then you have given the chance for at least either a Charlie Pierce, for example, or a Dunleavy to take the seat. But if you don't and only vote one, if you're a bullet voter and just vote one and done on the rank choice in November, the likelihood, statistical likelihood, is that we will either have Bill Walker or Les Guerra as governor. I'm glad I clarified that. I'm glad it's all clear as mud now. Don't worry, Gail Fanumiai says we've done a great job. KTUU reports says, uh, Fanubii says, I feel the division of elections has had a pretty strong voter education campaign telling people to expect this. I feel it's been a pretty strong voter education campaign. I mean, I'm glad you feel that way. I think the rest of us are still, I mean, obviously, Jonathan's point in the chat room is that he still thought today that he was voting, he was ranking the, the it's going to be confusing. For a lot of people. And and I think that that's important. So clarifying. Today. Today is voting day. So first and foremost, you got to figure out where you're going to vote. Because it's probably changed. Your normal voting location more than likely has changed. So you need to go to myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. Myvoterinformation.alaska.gov dot alaska dot gov and you put in your first and your last name and the city your mailing city wherever you whatever wherever you get your mail whatever city you get your mail and it will pull it off of the voter rolls and tell you where your polling location is so first and foremost you need to know that then you need to know that when you go to the polling location you're going to get a ballot that on one side is ranked choice voting for the special general election, the Congress seat. And then on the backside will be the jungle primary for all the seats that were going to be available. Again, the governor's race, the Congress seat, the U.S. Senate seat, and then the state house and the state Senate seats will all be on the backside. So there you go. If you just recently, I know many people have been saying that they've been getting their voting cards in the mail. They're new because everybody got a new voter ID, right? Because the redistricting causes them to generate a new voter ID. If you've received your vote, not all of us have. I still have not received my new voter card. My family has not received their new voter cards. But on the back of those voter cards, it will tell you where your new polling location and precinct is. Okay? So that's it. Today is the day. Today is the day to go out and let your voice be heard. My encouragement is that you vote your conscience. Um, I am going to be voting for 
Chris Bai for Congress. That's just me because I already know that that the three that are going to end up, I know it's going to be, uh, 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 well, for the ranked choice, I know it's going to be, there's going to be the three. I'm going to vote for Chris Bai and to Mark Baggage, uh, excuse me, uh, Nick Baggage, and then uh, Sarah Palin. That's just me. Uh, I know in the jungle primary that in most of those seats, I know who's going to end up there. So I'm again, I'm voting my conscience. I'm going to vote for Charlie Pierce. I'm going to vote for Sean Thorne. Uh, when it comes down to the to the rank choice in November, if Sean is on fourth, then I will be voting for Sean Thorne and I'll be voting for Kelly Shabaka. I know I'm not going to be voting for Lisa Murkowski. I know I'm not going to be voting for Mary Peltola. I'm going to be ranking the candidates that I believe have it. it but again, now, November, differences, jungle primaries, ranked choice votings, the whole thing is a hot, sticky brown mess. This is just what it is. But you got you to gotta, you gotta go through it. You got to get into it. You got to go through it. You got to make it happen. Thanks for um, all right. We're going to uh, be talking with Chris Story here in a few moments, but... Um, why not? We got, uh, we've got. we uh, got, looks like we actually already have some lines on hold. I was just going to open up the phone lines for your comments today to see where you stood on this. And uh, it looks like we already have a uh, line on hold. And so we'll jump over there here as soon as my phone system uh, finishes uh, booting up and connecting to everything. We will uh, jump over there and see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Let's uh, go over here and we'll take the call right now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Representative Christopher Kirka. <clears throat> Hello, Representative. How are you, sir? You know what? I am tired. My back hurts, uh, but I am doing so much better than I deserve. Okay. Well, good. What's on your mind here? <laughs> well, hey, I just I heard you talking about just a minute ago uh, the budgets and uh, oversized budgets and the PFD, and then I heard you talking about um, the uh, the rank choice voting here, and I I think uh, it's interesting. There's a there's a misconception here that uh, people that are voting for for me for governor somehow belong to me, um, but they have their own opinions, and um, just if, if they don't vote for me now, it doesn't mean that they're still going to vote for Dunleavy in the general election. That's just not simply the case. Here's what I've been telling folks, and it has been very frustrating. You're absolutely right. Gail Fanumiai has been doing a horrible job. Uh, she should never have been rehired. Um, that was a disaster, um, and that is this. Ranked choice is really very simple in how you should approach it. You vote for your favorite candidate, period. And then you rank according to as much as your conscience allows. So, for example, I think you just mentioned a second ago, I will never rank Lisa Murkowski. All right, she's not somebody I can rank in good conscience. I don't know of a Democrat running right now I can rank in good, 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 good conscience. But that's what I've been telling my supporters, that's what I've been telling folks whenever they ask how to do this. And But you're right. I mean, everywhere I go, everybody thinks that there's ranked choice in the, on the primary ballot, and we have to correct, no, there's not ranked choice in the primary ballot except for the congressional race. So it's it very confusing for folks. Uh, can't wait to get in there and repeal this thing. 
No, I mean, I think there's going to be a huge push to repeal it um, uh, after people have a chance to actually experience it for the first time. And, uh, And especially with the confusion of having a special election on the same day as a primary, there'll be enough confusion there to be part of it. Now, let me go back to what you just said, talking about you don't own the votes. I I don't think that you do own the votes, but I think that there is a contingency that is frustrated uh, and that has uh, has your campaign has appealed to uh, that has basically said Dunleavy has failed us, which, again, I'm not disagreeing with, um, but that they have said, I'm going to rank because I've seen the comments in my own chat room. I'm going to vote for one and done. I'm voting for Kirka if he's on the ballot. I'm going to vote for him and I'm not voting for anybody else. And I think strategically. That's a huge mistake because if you if mm-hmm. you if you were number 4 and did not get all 50 plus 1% of the vote uh in that first round of voting then their votes disappear and they are disenfranchised for participating in subsequent rounds of voting. Uh, I may not like Dunleavy, but I like Dunleavy a whole hell of a lot better than I like Bill Walker or Les Guerra. And so there has to be a messaging here where people understand that you can't just say, uh, I hate this guy, and so I'm just not going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for my one and done, because the likelihood of anybody getting a first round 50% is excruciatingly low. It's a, it's basically impossible. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, it's funny. I've actually talked to people who are told me, uh, one guy told me, he wasn't going to vote for me, but he, and he was also going to go to the polls and do it like he normally does. He was not going to rank anything. I was, I just couldn't believe it. I was kind of speechless uh, that he wasn't going to rank anybody else or any on any race, and I was just kind of stunned by that. So it's there's a lot of confusion. Part of it, some people just want to protest the system, which okay, I get it. We hate the system, but uh, it's the system we have, and we have to use it this election in the best way possible. So I totally get what you're saying with that, um, and and people need to, like I said, they need to rank candidates as much as their conscience will allow. And if you might, you know, if you if you uh, could vote for somebody in a situation, then, then rank them. But uh, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm telling folks that I'm not going to rank Lisa Murkowski. Um, that's where I'm coming from. Well, so I guess uh, my question is, <clears throat> in the governor's race, if you are the fourth candidate and it comes down to the ranked choice voting, will you rank Governor Dunleavy as second uh, behind yourself uh, to prevent in a defensive posture to d- defend against a Guerra or a Walker uh, uh, governorship? You know, I haven't – I don't make any public <clears> – <throat> I'm not making a public endorsement of Dunleavy, but uh, I have to agree with you. I, Bill Walker, we've seen what he is. He's a disaster. Right. We've seen what Lesker, we know what Lesker is. He was in the legislature for, for 10 plus years or what about that, and he's left of marks. And we know what they're going to do. So I, I think you're right. We have to, we have to rank according to our conscience. And, I, and we have, and also, I guess this will be my last pitch to voters. You know, I have a record. I ran on. I ran for office to the House, and it was difficult, but I kept all those promises. I voted against every bloated budget like I promised. I um, I fought for the preborn. I fought for the dividend. We voted for it 32 times. Um, if you want somebody who's going to fight and fight hard for the values they they ran on, then we're your ticket. If you want somebody who's going to play hardball with the legislature and not just roll over when the going gets tough, then we're your candidate. And um, I think there's a lot of folks that are frustrated. They want a fighter, and they're not seeing it in Dunleavy. 
Well, and I guess my question is, I mean, especially when you just said defending, you know, fighting against bloated budgets and defending the PFD, you had the opportunity to pass a fully funded PFD uh, off, and yet you chose not to support that. In fact, there was, you know, just a couple votes, and you were one of the couple votes that decided that the full PFD was too much for people, uh, whether it was too much on the budget or, or whatever it was. I mean, how do you, how do you defend that? There was an opportunity there to take a stand and it may not even have passed if you had said yes, but I mean, you had an opportunity and you said no. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. I appreciate that. Um, so again, we had 32 votes on the dividend, um, at budget votes where they were voting on an amendment to increase the budget or to, um, to in, not increase the budget, but to incre- effectively increase the budget, but to increase the dividend up to the statutory level, or I even sponsored amendments to pay back pay. What you're talking about was a concurrence vote, which did two things. <clears throat> we were approving the changes made by the other body, which one of those changes I liked, obviously, we're increasing the dividend to the full statutory amount plus some back pay. I liked that change, but other changes I couldn't support, such as the stripping out of the language that we had in the House that banned abortion funding, the fact that we now had the biggest budget in state history, the fact we had all these union contracts and other garbage in there that I couldn't support. So when you're voting on a, and the thing is when you're voting on a concurrence vote, you're doing two things. You're voting to approve the changes that the other body made, but you're also voting on the whole package for it to become law as a budget. And when I got, when, when I ran for office, one of my huge criticisms of my opponent was that she voted for some of the biggest budgets in state history. And now, lo and behold, I have the new biggest budget in state history with the height of hypocrisy for me to turn around after telling my constituents the enemy, the enemy of the PFD is these big budgets. See, I'm not looking to win a one-time battle, <laughs> one-time pay. I'm looking to win a war. Well, and, 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 and big I, government in Alaska is the enemy of the dividend. Uh, Chris, I'm going to have to put you on hold here because I'm up against the break. Uh, I will talk to you during the break. we got Chris Story coming up here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, I mean, I want to dissect this for a second uh, to get a second on this because here's the thing. Um... The one thing that could have made a huge difference, and yes, it was already a bloated budget. It was going to be a bloated budget no matter what because they had all this money at their fingertips. But you could have, um, we, you could have a uh, uh, made a difference in the lives of hundreds of thousands of Alaskans. The stripping out of the language of the abortion language that has been put in the that had been put in the budget for years and strictly ignored. So uh, again, it was not a uh, it was not any kind of that, win. That's actually not correct. So what we've had in the budget for years is intent language. But what we put in the budget in the House was was binding language. And the, the thing of the matter is the, the legislative branch has the, the authority of the purse. And it's been ignored because we've had courts that have overstepped their authority and said, well, we're going to appropriate now. And we need a governor who's going to follow the intent of the legislature. Or in this case, it would have been binding law. Uh, Ledge Finance even you know, told us that, hey, actually, this is not like we normally have. This is binding language that they can't ignore. But in binding law, the governor could not have used Medicaid funds to pay for abortions. Now, I, I see your point, but here, here's, when it comes down to it, here's the deal. Um, if, even if I, say, broke my campaign promises and I voted for this big budget and I sacrificed my principles, we still wouldn't have gotten – we still would not have gotten – 
the $5,500 dividend. It was, it, was, it was a farce. It was never going to happen. There was never the votes among other legislators for the full dividend. We've had those votes over and over and over again all session long. And I, I don't blame Senator Schauer or those in the Senate who, who took advantage of the opportunity with Natasha being, being gone and you know, amending the budget. They did the right thing by putting it in there. But at the end of the day, I'm still voting for the biggest budget in state history. And it would have, nothing would have changed. Practically speaking, nothing would have changed if I had changed my vote. Uh, Chris Kirk. Uh, Other than me sacrificing my principles. Uh, Chris Kirka, our guest, uh, I mean, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. I look at it again as, I mean, a sacrificing of, uh, well, I, I mean, uh, kudos to you, I guess, for, for, for standing on a principle, uh, that basically in my opinion would have, uh, by passing this budget or by putting it, which again, it, it passed anyway. Here's my thing. It's passing anyway. There could have been some good done if it had passed with a full statutory PFD. It was going anyway. That was the direction. We could all read the wind. We knew it was coming. Hey. If nothing else, the people would have benefited after the pandemic, the recession, everything else, all the bad stuff that we've just talked about. But if if you felt like that was going to be a, a a bad thing, then... Well, and there's, there's another... You know. there's a, no, I don't think that would have been a bad thing. That would have been a very good thing. But here's there's a component here that we're missing, and that is this. Going into the going into the vote, we knew I knew several things because it was very clear in the public. The governor had agreed to cut thirteen hundred dollars off the top of that. He had given up on fighting for the full statutory dividend and was now doing his fifty fifty plan, which was a substantial reduction from the from the from the full statutory dividend. So we already knew he committed to cutting thirteen hundred. He likely was going to cut down to his fifty fifty plan. It was never going to be the full statutory dividend or the or the plus the back pay. So you're saying that the governor you're the saying votes, the governor would not have supported if a full PFD and a concurrence had come out and it was a full statutory PFD. You're saying the governor would have cut it based upon he it was it was kind of in the press. There was, there was very public. There was legislators who were meeting with him, Barlabon and others who hate the dividend, who have consistently voted against the dividend. In order to get their votes, which were needed to pass the budget, to pass a concurrence vote. He had to agree to cut at least the thirteen hundred off the top, and and the governor has not been able to get people like Bart on board with his fifty fifty plan because the Bart doesn't even want to spend that much on the dividend. Um, there just wasn't the votes to pay for the full dividend right there, and so if those legislators were going to vote for that, they were going to get some concessions out of the gate, and that's what was reported in the press going into the vote, mm. and but we didn't know how much. We didn't right. know how much the cut was going to be. We knew at least 1300 but we didn't know how much more. So, again, it would have been kind of shooting in the blind of, hey, I'm going to vote for this, hoping we get the 5500 you know, breaking my other campaign promises. Yeah. And we wouldn't, at the end of the day, we still wouldn't have gotten it. Uh, Chris Kirka, I uh, appreciate you calling in, my friend. I'm sorry the ding means that we're coming back out of commercial break. i got to let you go. Thanks for sounding off, and uh, thanks for uh, uh, letting us hear your thoughts. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, folks, we're coming up on the break. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
Okay. Um, welcome back to the program. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Uh, I... <laughs> well, it was... I was a toss-up there, whether I wanted to keep uh, Chris Kirk on for a little bit longer. Um, interesting conversation during the break. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast. But I decided that I really needed my uh, adult pick-me-up today. Chris Story, the man from Homer, comes in to give us the weekly uplift and positivity update. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Uh Uh-oh. Did you say adult? Adult. I did say adult. Is 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 that hard to swallow, hard to believe? Whenever we're watching a program... And it says uh, adult content or uh, warning this for adults only or something like that. I'll, or mature audiences. That's what it is. Mature audiences. I'll turn the tip and go, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> can't can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, give me a little bit more volume there, Chris. You're uh, you're a little low here this morning, uh, which is not right for you because you're never low. No. You, you should be. You need to be high. You need to right. be... If you're going to be on the Michael Duke show, you better be high. Exactly. We're on top of the. Wait a minute. Um, anyway, uh, so what? Uh, what's uh, what's on your agenda today, Chris? How are you going to teach us to be better us? That's a good question. In fact, it's a better question. Is you sent me an article um, about liberty as yep. a philosophy, as a and life thought, philosophy? That, yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was a really cool article, and I, I enjoyed it. And I don't know. We could sit here and dissect the article, or just take a main. My main takeaway from that article you sent, which was, um, like I said, a really good read, but having a philosophy, be it liberty, be it something, have a personal philosophy in your own life. It's, it's a code that you live by, your guiding philosophy. What is it? And, and have you one? And have you thought about it? And, 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 you know, I mean, libertarian, obviously you're a libertarian Michael, and, and you hang that shingle out high and let everybody see it. I, I think it's it's cool when you think about liberty as a philosophy of life. It, yeah. it really struck me. Well, I, maybe we should uh, – let's take a single theme today, and then uh, next week maybe we can walk through this. Because this, this article, as you said, was fascinating, and I'll drop it in the chat room for folks who want to, uh, who want to, to take a look at it and read it because it really is – you know, uh, uh, it's really thought provoking. It's why liberty is a life philosophy from Lawrence Reed over at the uh, FEE, which is the uh, uh, free, uh, what is it, Foundation for Economic uh, Enterprise? I can't remember what, whatever FEE is. Um, I read a lot of their stuff, but this article was passed on to me by one of the Common Sense Corps members. And, uh, and I read this and I went, wow, this is. I mean, this is like self-improvement. This is, I mean, this is mm-hmm. good stuff. And so maybe yeah. give me your one takeaway from it. And then let's, um, and then let's, uh, next week we can dissect it a piece at a time. But, you know, let's talk about ph- having a life philosophy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important. In fact, on, on my program, um, a number of years ago, I, I decided to codify it in a nutshell. People would ask me, uh, hey, what's your show going to be about today? Well, uh, and if I didn't have a guest uh, or a particular topic, I would say, oh, well, I don't know. You just tune in and you'll see it. And really, I realized that it actually always is about a philosophy, which is in three parts, to look forward in life. And basically, that's goal setting. That's looking at tomorrow. It's looking at where you want to go. It's where you're aiming. With a warning, don't live there, but, but aim somewhere, but, but don't live into the future, but look forward and then learn from the past. And, and essentially that is to take into account what you've done, what's gone before you. Um, it can even be, you could even in, 
develop gratitude into that learning from the past. I am so grateful for where we've been as a country, as a people, where, where I've been, even the suffering that I've gone through in life. I'm grateful for it. I've learned from it. But then ultimately, and most importantly, live in the present. So now when people say, hey, what's your show about today? Well, it's about looking forward, learning from the past, but never forgetting that the good life is lived right here in the present. And underlying this whole philosophy in a sentence is essentially, Michael, you were born on purpose. You were born on purpose and with a purpose. And that is my philosophy. That is my philosophy of life. And you could, I could absolutely take liberty and Mr. Potato Head it just right, just plug and play, just put it right in there. (laughs) Absolutely. Liberty fits into this. Absolutely. A Christianity fits into my philosophy of life. And in fact, is woven indefinitely into these things I just mentioned. Everything that we do in life is based on our philosophy, whether, whether we recognize it, codify it, and, and put it in writing or, or put it into three bullet points or not. We have a philosophy. What's yours? Are you living it? Are you sharing it? Are you living in such a way that it's obvious to the world what your philosophy is, even if it's counter to what you say it is? Right. Well, I mean, I, that was one of the, I don't want to get too far into the article uh, up until next week, but that was, that was the whole gravestone marker. What do you want on your tomb? He held to his principles, uh, sometimes, or he, he, he acted good when everybody was watching him, but not when his, or do you want it to be, you know, he is the light and he does it. He brought people to his cause. He was play. you know, there, look, there's, there's so many things, uh, that, uh, I think could be wrapped up in that. And yes, Letting people be people, letting them do what they do, having a philosophy of mm-hmm. um, of tolerance and understanding, even for those that don't agree with you um, and that disagree with you, not, uh, you know, not uh, uh, attacking them, but trying to persuade them, not using force. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that are baked into that. And I guess it, it all comes back down to you controlling you. You and I have talked about that a lot. What is your reaction? to mm-hmm. uh to circumstances or to things that happen to you it's the one thing you can control absolutely and you know people whose philosophy whether they would admit it or not you know people whose philosophy is victimization victimhood and, and everywhere they go they find it they find an oppressor they're they're yoked by everyone and everybody around them just because it's circumstantially there they can see it they're good with a hammer, so the problem becomes a nail, and it's, it's their philosophy of life, and it's a sad philosophy. I was talking to somebody recently who said, they're having a, they're having a rough time. No particular reason, not economically speaking, not um, it's just everything. All the dots started to connect in this person's life as being difficult right now. There's, there's some suffering, mild as it were, but it's still, it's collectively is creating a cloud over this person's life. And they said, and I found this to be extremely fascinating and dovetailing into what you and I are talking about. They said, but you know what I started doing, Chris? I started keeping a gratitude journal. I've heard about it. I've, I know other people that have done it. I've heard you talk about it, but I started doing it myself. And man, I feel better. You can't help but feel better when you begin to recognize and start looking for what's right versus what's wrong. And optimism can be a philosophy, is a philosophy. In fact, I open my show quite frequently with the Optimist Creed in that you have something within you that is worth pursuing regardless of the circumstance you find yourself within today. It may be negative, it may be 
ill health, it may be something's going wrong. But if you begin to look for what's right in the world, you're going to find it and you'll feel better. You'll contribute more. You'll be, you'll be financially better off. Everything, your relationships will all be better off as a result of that. Adopt it as a philosophy. If, if you feel like I don't really have a philosophy of life really outside of maybe my religion, which is great, but I'm talking about something you've individualized for you, adopted into your daily life, and it becomes a practice. Because I think that's the thing. You have to live it. You have to live. You know, it can't just be a uh, – how do I want to put this? Uh, I mean, it can't just be something that you pull out on Sundays. I mean, speaking of like religion, it can't be something that you just pull out every now and then or when you're in front of a crowd. It has to be something, a, a touchstone, a guidestone that you are um, – that, that you, again, weave into every decision that you make, all the different decisions that you make in your life. I just pulled out a book. As a result of reading that article you sent me, I pulled out a book on my library bookshelf called Thanks, and it's a study of gratitude by uh, Dr. Emmons. And I read this book before, but I wanted to just kind of pull out some science and some research because there's so many people that would hear a conversation and overhear a conversation that you and I are having, Michael, and think, oh my God, uh, what a couple of Pollyannies get their heads stuck in the ground. You know, haven't they seen the news? Don't they know that Mar-a-Lago was just raided? Don't they know that there's going to be a 125 degree heat wave through the, the center of the country in 2053? Don't they know what's coming? And yet at the same time, we have a philosophy, we have an opportunity, I should say, to adopt a philosophy of changing, taking personal responsibility right where you are with what you've got and changing the outcome of your circumstance. And if enough of us do that, we'll have a global change. We'll have a national change. We'll have an uprising of optimism such that we can make it a reality in this country. And just like that shining city on the hill, the Reagan said we were in America, we once again can be the beacon of optimism and, and goodness and liberty and freedom and everything that, that is baked into our constitution and into our founding. And, but again, it comes to you, the individual link in the chain. You must have your philosophy, you must have your affairs in order, and you must be sweeping your own porch. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, again, you, you the the bottom line of every episode of Chris Story on the Michael Duke show seems to be if you get yourself right everything else will follow that if there's enough people out there getting themselves right if there's enough people out there getting themselves put together and being able to handle these things then um collectively things will start to get better as a whole. And I think that's that's where it all starts. I mean, this is what I preach when I – this is why I don't normally talk about national stuff because I feel like the changes that we can make are on the small level, the local level, the grassroots. And this is just takes that one step further to the individual. You as an individual have to do it. And if you could spread that message to other people as they take care of it and, and, and self – you know, self-help themselves, then all of a sudden you've got a whole group of people who are thinking the same thing. Exactly. I agree 100%. And, and my philosophy has bled into my work with the Backyard Millionaire. In essence, I have set a goal and I'm, I'm speaking from wherever I can, whatever platform I can to share this goal of helping 1,000 people in the next 24 months become backyard millionaires, owning and controlling four homes in their own backyard. That's a billion dollars worth, worth of economic impact that I'm wanting to have 
right. in other people's lives. And that is a personal philosophy that will spread and do good. No matter how close to reaching my goal I get or not, I'll be doing the best I can with what I've got unelected, unappointed. Uh, nobody has, you know, pushed me to the top of some hierarchy based on my bloodline. This right. is simply a personal goal and a philosophy that I want to share with a thousand people over the next 24 months. And as a result, could have a major financial impact in individual lives and collectively statewide and nationwide. Right, because nobody's voting for Chris Story. I mean, come on. No. Yeah, nobody's voting for Chris Story. Uh, but they may listen to him when it comes to real estate and advice and bettering their own lives. I know that I do. Chris Story, the man from Homer. You can find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. The name of his book, well, multiple books, but The Backyard Millionaire he was just talking about. He's got The Backyard Millionaire podcast as well. And, of course, his books Born to Live and The Making of Man – uh, which are uh, both amazing in their different ways. One's fiction, uh, the other is it was fictionalized self-help, but they're they're just really, really good. And I'm glad to have you on, my friend. I needed a little bit of an uplift today, and, uh, and I appreciate you, as always, coming on and sharing with us. Thank you. Thanks for the education on the, the voting process. It is it is murky to say the least. So thanks yeah. for your your uh, update. Well, it's gonna again. It's gonna be a little messy. Although uh, Brian just said in the chat room, he said I, he just came back from voting and he said it's not that hard, not hard at all. Two minutes in the booth. Well, maybe we hopefully we contributed to that education to make it easy. So uh, Chris, thanks so much for coming on board today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. All right, folks, we are out of time for this segment. We got one final segment coming up. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines because why not? Why not? Let's get it going on. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Chris Story, our guest. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, jump back over to the telephones there. We'll put, uh, got all the lines uh, I had on hold here. We'll get the lines on hold and uh, see where we're at here. We're going to jump back into this here in just a moment. We've got one call on hold right now. Uh, phone number to call is uh, going to be 907 907- 433-3150-907-433-3150. So we'd love to hear from you if you would like to sound off and be part of it. Uh, we would love that. We would love, uh, we'd love to hear it. Um, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's see. For the crickets, uh, I was scrolling as I did over the desk. Uh, for my information, it's raking out, it's raining out. Oh, it's raining. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, yeah, that not surprising, not surprising that it is raining out. I just saw an article. One of the articles was talking about, uh, this is the wettest August on record for the, uh, for the South central area. Uh, they've gotten like 3.88 inches of rain which is 2.5 inches more than 
than the than the the next biggest record. And we're only halfway through the state or halfway through the the month. So, yeah, no, it's uh, definitely. Um, Definitely no shortage of rainfall in Alaska this week. That's uh, that's for sure. Um, let's go over to the phones and get this caller's name and where they're calling from so that when we return to the radio, we have uh, uh, an idea of who we're speaking with. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this, hey, this is Eric. I'm calling out of North Pole. Hello, Eric in North Pole. Hold the line, my friend. You will be first up in the queue when we return to the radio. And we will start with your phone call, so don't uh, don't go anywhere. Um, uh, permanent fund, ba 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 ba. I'm just going back through some of the comments, um, and uh, let's see. Um, and for, contender, for those who contended the Kirk, let me just go over here and read this. For those who contended the Kirk could have done something to pass a concurrence, I have a simple question. The Democratic caucus was a binding caucus for a reason. If Kirk, Eastman, and Kaufman had gone along with a concurrence, do you actually think Louise wasn't going to call those votes? I would submit to you that the Democrats who voted for concurrence did so only because Louise allowed them to because she didn't need their votes. Uh, my argument for that would be we don't know. It's possible. Foster may have voted that way anyway because he he knows how important it is to his constituency. Um, I heard similar to what Politidix asserted. He said, I heard that from the 18 House members was that Kirka and Eastman's votes, the no votes, convinced others to vote no. Hence the 22 yeas and only 18 yeas. Um, but we just don't know. We just don't know. This is a vote that obviously he's going to have to live with. And however he wants to uh, to justify it, to spin it, to save it, to sell it, what, however you want to put it, uh, whatever the justification is, the bottom line is, is that it ended up in the long run costing Alaskans a lot of money um, and Alaskans who could have used that money. Um, it is, a, I mean, it's a, it's a hard, hard thing to do. Um, governor didn't have the veto backing of his party, so you didn't have the courage to oh, say, uh, governor didn't have the veto backing of his party. So you didn't have the courage to let him do his job and cut the hell out of the budget. I mean, again, uh, hearing that the governor may have cut the budget, uh, to me is not a justification. It, it, that would have been on him. Then you could have, then you could have said, I voted for the PFD for you, the people and the governor cut it. I mean, it would have been, you know, if that's the case, I don't think the governor would have cut it. But uh, that that's the thing. Uh, and I am not buying the whole thing about this ironclad language in the thing about abortion. Uh, that is not the way that I read it, and it's not the way that I understood it. Maybe I'm just not up. Maybe I'm just not up on it. But the way I understood it is that it was pretty much identical language to what had been put in before and blatantly ignored by other administrations, and it really didn't matter. Um, and, again, it... it Anyway, I got nothing else. I got nothing else on that. Um, Let's go over. I got one more line on hold. So let's go over there and get their name uh, so that we can uh, talk to them here in just a second. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Al from Fairbanks. Hey, Al. uh, You're number two in the queue, and uh, you're really loud and hissy, but I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, So you're going to be number two in the queue. You may want to come to a 
a stop or a resting place when we get to you just so that we can hear you because I can hear a lot of road noise there uh, over that. Or maybe if you've got the phone on Bluetooth, maybe hold it up to your ear so that I can hear you. Uh, but Al, we'll be back to you here in just in just a moment. Um, we'll we'll see what uh, we got to say. All right, twenty seconds, twenty five seconds before we rejoin the radio. Please like and share this video uh, if you're on Facebook. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe and ring the bell to get the notifications when we go live. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. We're opening up the lines on this election day. Don't forget to go get your voter information in your polling location from myvoterinformation.alaska.gov. That's where you go to figure out where you're supposed to vote. Let's go over to the phones. Eric is in North Pole. He wanted to start off here in this segment. Good morning, Eric. What's on your mind? Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, wanted to give you a heads up. I just got done voting at the uh, city hall out North Pole, and mm -hmm. there is an issue with this ranked choice voting. Okay. And I'll tell you what the issue is. Uh, the issue is is that when you go to feed your ballot into the machine, if you did not rank choice vote in the way that you chose to, i.e., each candidate gets a number, it's going to kick your ballot back out. And I'll give you a prime example. I voted for my two favorite. And then I closed it out. Uh, my second guy, I just bubbled it in all the way across the board. I chose to do that solely based off the fact that I knew that my two top votes would count. And that machine kicked it out. And not only did it kick it out, but the election official decided to check my ballot as to why it kicked it out, which invaded my privacy on my voting. So we have issues. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. You, you will invalidate your ballot if it's not filled. If they're empty... That's one thing, but they've already said if you if you fill in a bunch of bubbles that aren't supposed to be there, the machine kicks it out and it's so yeah, but people are confused. They want to protect their ballot, but at the same time, they don't want to have to vote for other candidates. So, I mean, I definitely uh I see why you did it and I see the confusion and I see the frustration. What was the reaction? Did you bring this to the election officials attention? What was the what was the reaction? I, I, I did. I said, hey, look, if I write in, if I just put, if I just mark anything I want on this, it's, it's my ballot. It's my vote. You shouldn't have a say on how I vote. Because if you go back and you look at the state election site, it tells you every single type of scenario you fill in on that. So let's say, for example, if I pick number one for the ranked choice and number two for the ranked choice, and then my number two person, if I decide to bubble them in for the third and fourth ranked choice, that means that that third and fourth choice doesn't count. And it's only going to count my number one and my number two. Right. That is a true statement based off of the state election. Well, if I do that and I put it in the machine, the machine kicks it back out. So it goes against everything that the state election site states on how you fill it out and what votes will count. I could care less if somebody goes in there and puts their thumbprint on it. That's their choice. 
The state election shouldn't be kicking ballots back out of the box to have some election official tell me how I should be filling it out. That's an invasion of privacy. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, definitely problematic. Like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are very frustrated uh, by the time this whole thing is over. Uh, I appreciate you giving us the heads up on that, Eric. Thank you for uh, thank you for calling in um, and uh, and being hey, part, have a good day, Michael. Being part of it today. Al is up in Fairbanks. Al, what's on your mind this morning? Yeah, um, I was I missed the show this morning with Brad. Um, but I was wondering, if, did you ever ask him what the term sustainable budget means when we have a budget every year? Uh, we've talked about that in the past. It, it basically, it's income and outflow uh, is usually what the sustainability part, portion of it means, meaning that we're not spending more than we're taking in and that we're you know paying the full dividend and things like that. So that's generally speaking. We haven't spoken about the sustainable part for a uh, couple, three years, but, uh, I mean, he's always willing to engage on Facebook or Twitter if you're out on there, um, and uh, maybe yeah. he can answer, if he's listening now, maybe he can answer that next week. Well, I, you know, I'm just curious because, you know, the budget's done every year, so what you're talking about is long-termer for many, many years, the future of what a sustainable budget is, but if you could do a budget every year, how could you say it's sustainable or not if you pass it? Or fail it. Well, I mean, I think it basically, again, it comes back to making sure that your income and your outgo are the same instead of, I mean, we dipped into, we dipped into, you know, 16, 17 billion dollars worth of savings over the course of uh, six or seven years. And I think that's where the whole sustainability idea came in, Al. Okay. All right. That's what I was just curious about. It just seemed odd for me for the terminology. All right. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Let's go over here uh, on this election day. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning. This is Ray North Pole. Hello, Ray. What's on your mind? Yeah, if, uh, on this ballot, I got an example ballot here. Uh, if you don't want to vote for anybody in, uh, say, the state representative, District 33, can you leave it blank? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can always leave. You can always leave any bubble blank that will not affect it in one way or the other. Yeah, I was disappointed to see somebody didn't run against uh, Cracks because uh, he told me that he uh, works with Lisa Murkowski and. Uh, he also stands against a small miner, so uh, he's not getting my vote. He's the only one running in that district, so right. I just I don't want to vote for him. Yep, you can leave that. Okay, bl- thank you. Leave That's that blank. That'll be uh, that'll be fine. Thank you uh, for calling in. I appreciate it, Ray. Four three three thirty one fifty four three 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 one five zero. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Tawny and Willow. Hello, Tawny. What's on your mind? Well, first, I'd like to say happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. fellow August baby. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, I uh, took a couple of days off in celebration of our joint birthdays and uh, did not make the show this morning. Oh, uh, okay. So. Well. But I was curious, um, did you see the Alaska Family Council endorsement list? I did not. Okay. I, I found it interesting that they chose not to uh, select 
anyone in House District 27. Okay, which is which district again? You have to remind me. I'm still trying to get caught up on the new numbers. Right. That's that's currently Eastman's new district, which is um, got. Let me see. It's got. Uh, I have it right here. Hang on one sec. It's got Carpenter, Brendan Carpenter, and Stuart Graham running against him. Mm-hmm. So they chose not to endorse any yeah, of them I at did, that point. They, yeah, they didn't list them at all mm. in their endorsement listing. That's interesting. I wonder, no justification why, of course, just uh, they didn't endorse anybody. Of course not. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Well, interesting. Um, I don't know what that says exactly, but uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to find out. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. I got one more call on hold. Thank you, Tawny. Over here quickly. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Cindy from Homer. Hello, Cindy. Quickly. Um, if you were you were stating earlier that the um, it was unlikely anyone would get fifty one percent. So what if a person left the first one blank and started with their favorite on number two? It's very possible that is a strategy that we've talked about in the past that some of the experts on ranked choice have said. You can vote for your second choice first and your first choice second. They may have a higher uh, percentile chance of making it in the second round. Uh, There's a lot of strategy that goes behind this, Cindy. That's one of the reasons why... People find it frustrating. I'm sorry I got to go. Tomorrow's another day, folks. Have a great one. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Cindy, I'm sorry. I was up against the break there. Oop, and she hung up. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it will kick out for if you don't rank them all. They are supposed to know to put it in again. It should accept it. Any election worker who says they must see your ballot should be fired on the spot and replaced. Unless you personally ask them to look at it. I'm sorry, I'm just going to post this whole thing up here real quick. Election workers are supposed to know if it it will kick it all. Election workers are supposed to know it will kick it all out the first time if you don't rank them all. They are supposed to know to put it in again and it should accept it. If election workers who says that they must see your ballot should be fired on the spot and replaced unless you personally ask them to look at it. Even if they do, they should only help if something is wrong. Never should they tell you how to vote they should all know you don't have to rank them all i think the problem the problem there politic was that he had ranked his second choice or his first choice all the way down the line and that throws a lot of heebies into the system so it's it's part of the problem we'll see what happens this is going to be this is going to be an interesting day um if I want to draw a huge smiley on my ballot, I should be able to, said Sean. Yup. Yep. I agree. I agree. All right, my friends. Well, thank you so much for today. We appreciate you guys coming out and being part of it. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Don't forget, go out and vote. Get it done.
our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 